Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people with dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Derek Gaines grew up outside of Philadelphia and moved to New York City with his six-foot-nothing crew after cementing his status as one of Philly's funniest. After performing as a new face in Montreal at Just for Laughs, Gaines began scoring TV credits, starting with hosting MTV's broke-ass game show and then delivering jokes on cable outlets from True TV to VH1 to Access TV. Since 2017, Gaines has steadily appeared in higher-profile roles and series, starting with the revival of Will & Grace on NBC, where he plays Sean Hayes' boss and also including The Last OG with Tracy Morgan on TBS. In 2020, you can see Gaines on the big screen in his former roommate Pete Davidson's movie, The King of Staten Island, and you can hear Gaines on his first comedy album, Fuckboy Ground Zero. Gaines sat down with me to talk all about it, so let's get to it! Yeah, anytime you can get a Jodeci uh, into a comedy A Jodeci cr- reference. I appreciate it. <laughs> Come and talk to me. I really want to know. Yeah, my damn dick. So, Derek Gaines, thank you for coming and talking to me. Thank you, man. Segway. Thanks for having me, Sean. Uh, so, last things first. Um, as a kid, you got to grow up watching Tracy Morgan on Saturday Night Live. I did. And Will and & Grace was a big hit on NBC. was. Which of those things is, is crazier to you now to realize that you get to work with both of those crews? Well, coming up with Tracy was great because, uh, you know, he was hustle man on Martin. And Martin was my favorite show coming up. So to be able to to work with the new and improved thin, you know, <laughs> you know even richer hustle man. Mm-hmm. But he's so, like, not the same character no more because, you know, Tracy's been in the game. 30, what damn near 30 right? right 30 plus so just to see that whole thing and to be able to work with somebody who's that funny is uh it's pretty great and then uh so i think that was my favorite but will and grace was great because that was my mother's favorite show so to be able really? to get on it and then form i remember recording my first episode mm-hmm. it was her birthday and she sat in the crowd and watched it so it was that was pretty cool so is that the biggest thing you've ever done, according for to your her, mom? For her. That was the biggest thing I've done for my mom. For me, was just getting that first season of OG, being able to work with Tracy Morgan. So that was two. Okay, so, so when you're a kid uh, in the suburbs outside of Philly, and you tell your mom you're going to go to start doing open mics and stuff, what was her reaction She then? said, I remember she was with it. But when I dropped out of school to do it, oh, dropped out of school. She, she thought I was crazy, but she was like, "My mom, you know, my mom's always supported the arts." Mm-hmm. So she was like, "I'll be at your first show," and then uh, you know, she went to my first show was at a, at a comedy club in Jersey called Rascals. That's okay, yeah, yeah. This Rascals was still popping, and uh, she saw me go up there and not bomb. Uh-huh. And she was like, oh, you might be on to something. And from then on, so as soon as I got my mom's approval, I was like, all right, I'm doing this forever. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, my dad was more so like, you're out of your mind. Until he really saw me get down mm-hmm. one time in L.A. Had the crowd going nuts. So he was like, oh, I see what you're doing. And I was like, thanks, Pop. Yeah, I'm out here trying to be not a record. I'm not trying to be corny. I'm out here trying to be really mm-hmm. funny. So, you know. Yeah, so. 
did he have did he have other plans for you like my pop wanted me to join the air force first my dad is a big hotty totty pilot okay and that motherfucker's an engineer Mm -hmm. so it's like he wanted me to get into what he was doing i was like dad nah i don't really like planes like that don't like the air i fly but you the one that like being in the sky you the one when you was 18 you was fixing Mm -hmm. jets then nobody not everybody could be you granted i'm probably from that you know, I'm, I've got into my genes to maybe not fix planes, but become an entertainer. That's actually really good. I think that comes from, you know, two engineers, but I didn't really want to fix planes. So, yeah, he was he thought I was crazy because I had a music scholarship. I was going to school at University of Arts for jazz and um, I was a jazz musician. So what'd you play? I was a percussionist. I was okay. studying drum set because I was bad at it. But I was so good at percussion, kungas and timbales mm-hmm. and all that, that they gave me a little scholarship because I was playing like I could hear jazz. Like I could, I knew how to play in and out of the of swing. Like I was just good with it. Like I understood Afro-Cuban rhythms. I understood two, three rhythm beats, patterns and all that. So I was really good at listening, but I couldn't read music for shit. So it was a real Nick Cannon type story <laughs> where, oh, it was drum line, but it mm-hmm. ain't. And then the nigga found comedy. Because I was always funny, but I didn't really think you could do anything with it. So that's why I went to school and tried to study and blah, 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 and go to college, make my parents proud with what I thought was, you know, the thing that you're supposed to do. And granted, music school is already outlandish, but what's more outlandish? Comedy. <laughs> so I started doing that. In the beginning, did you ever try to incorporate the percussion into the act? Not really. I mean, I, 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 I used to do poems, and like, I used to beat a drum and say dumb shit. But Dave Chappelle did it. So I was like, ah, I'm all right. So yeah, it's uh-huh. Dave Chappelle. So I kind of just kind of, I used the music to write jokes, if that makes any sense. Because uh, rhythmically, if you listen to a joke, there's a rhythm to it in order for you to laugh at it. So there's a, the, the, the setup and the premise kind of right. gets you to the punchline. So if there's I was like- There's a cadence to it. Yeah, there's involved, a, yeah. So cadence became my thing. So I was like, you know what? I, li- I like how jokes sound. So maybe that's why I went to music school. Not necessarily to read music, but to listen to rhythmic language. So I understand how to say whatever the fuck I was trying to say on a microphone. Sorry. <laughs> that's your alarm. It's time, to, it's time to sit down with me. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> or wake up from your, yeah, that was, that from was, your lunchtime nap. I was like, God damn it. I was trying to let you know. That's where I came from. That's why I was late. I was like, shit. <laughs> something happened. I came from the fucking coffee shop. And I just nodded out. I was like, I got to hit up Sean, maybe do one thirty. Hopefully he ain't got nothing to do at 2 o'clock. Well, yeah, um, that's basically what it was. Did you did you ever feel in the beginning when you were uh, starting out in Philly that being a kid from the suburbs was, was a hindrance, or did you feel like it helped you? I feel like it helped me because I had to write honestly because them Philly dudes would have sniffed me out mm-hmm. if I was trying to front. So my mom's whole thing was like, be yourself, be normal, you're a little nerd, so just be a nerd. So, you know, I, my writing was already, I was already like, well, I got to write fantastic because I can't write about the hood when I'm not from there, but I can write about how I feel as a suburban going into the hood and how it is for me. Right. So maybe if I tell people in the hood what my experience is as the dude outside looking in, they'll laugh at that. So my observations got to be key. My references got to be on point, right? My shit got to be relative to a motherfucker that I might not be able to relate to. So I just had to do extra research. That's all. So I did a lot of, so I hung out in Philly a lot. 
Okay. I just hung out in Philly with all the comics a lot. I stayed at the comedy club a lot. I stayed on South Street a lot. I listened to the language. I, listened, I seen the girls. I seen how the guys react to the girls. I saw what the girls do and what they like and what, 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 what to wear on stage, what not to wear on stage, what to stay on stage. So I just, it was a lot of like learning, just watching to go, how is my approach going to be different? Yeah. Now, so. there's, there's been plenty of comics to come out of Philly. Yeah. Who was part of your class, your group? When you were there, shout out to the the inglorious six foot nothing. That's Monroe Martin, Dave Temple, uh, Reggie Conquest, mm -hmm. Tom Cassidy, Ian Fidance, Henry Foley, uh, Kippy, uh, Kevin Ryan, Kippy, Kevin Ryan, uh, myself, Richie Redding, and I, I guess Mike Vecchione and DeRosa was before us. Yeah, DeRosa was before yeah. you. DeRosa and all them guys. Big J was before. DeRosa was with like Big J and Vicky. that was yeah, that, those... that was that click. So yeah. that was the click right before us. So that was the graduating class. Kev was the graduating class. So we was like, oh, all right. So we was like the new misfits. <laughs> so yeah. So the, the those guys and uh, yeah, no girls came with us. No. We met Chloe in New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and Amina came from Atlanta to New York. So yeah, okay. we met. Yeah, that's okay. our other our girl. Now um, refresh. Uh, my listener's memory, uh, the show Who's Got Jokes. Oh, shit. <laughs> what was that show? Because that was like one of your first That was credits, my first right? TV whatevers. Bill Bellamy had a competition show on uh, TV One. Yeah. Uh, I guess that was one step above PBS. Um, it wasn't VET. It wasn't Comedy it Central. It was, it, was, it was that black show right before the real black show like so it was like the black tv channel before like tv one was climbing yeah and i guess you know it was good nice cheap programming i was in vegas and oh, i went vegas. up against i went up against some real real funny people at the time even at the time it was funny and it was a competition show and okay. you just you do your little set and you get judged and you come back out and do like an improv thing and that was when uh gangster breakfast was born on tv and I thought uh, my outfit was terrible that night, but I thought it was great. And my mama gave me her crucifix with all the diamonds on it. And she said, wear this. Mm -hmm. Wear it on your shirt. And I'll be with you. Blah, blah, blah. And all that bullshit. And then, uh, and then, and then I went out there and then performed. And then, you know, and I did well. But it was... Uh, did anything come of that? Mm -mm. Not really. I just... Who got jokes? A TV show was just a shot in the dark. And, okay. uh, you know, because I remember... It got harder after that. <laughs> it got harder after that. Like I got less shows, and then you know, and so it then, wasn't even like doing Comic View or yeah, Last Comic Standing. It was or... just like, what was you on? Who? And, but now you look back, Lil Rel was on it. Mm -hmm. Tiffany Haddish was on it. Shit. So in a sense, it kind of Bill was on to something. But so if you were somebody in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, yeah, you were actually on that show. Yeah. So it's just nobody saw it. And nobody gave a fuck. But now, you go back to the archives, mm -hmm. you'll see a lot of people was on that show. So yeah. When you decided to move to New York, did you come with the Six Foot Nothing crew, or did I, you guys some come separately? I started it. You started. I you were started the, my click. Pioneer. Yeah, I'm the pioneer after the DeRosa mm -hmm. Kev Hart class. So when I moved up, mm -hmm. Two Ray told me to move up. All these comics that never left Philly told me that New York was this. Narnia of a place, mm -hmm. right? They told me the cellar was the place where everybody's at, and this is where you need to be, and you need to sit there and hang out, and blah blah blah. I blah. remember watching you in Monroe, and yeah, and <laughs> sit there and sit hang there out, and hang out. And Colin Quinn was there, Keith mm -hmm. Robinson was calling the shots, and, 
fucking Kev Hart became he was Kev the older Hart. Philly. Yeah, and then Kevin Hart was and then Kev became Kev, and Chappelle would stop by, and Chris Rock would be there, not shaking nobody's hand because he's Chris Rock, and he don't give a fuck about you. Like just all these stories. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I need to find this shit out. So five year after five years of, of, of being in in Philly, I left. I just went. I was like, all right. Helium wasn't giving me the play that I w- wanted. Mm-hmm. The Laugh House was just my, it was it was training camp, but motherfuckers was like, yo, you write, you don't write locally, you write big. They was like, if you write big, you need to go to a bigger place, go to New York, you'll be a local celebrity here. So, went to New York, and then within three weeks, I just understood it was the promised land. I called Monroe, I was like, bro, you just gotta come up here. And he was like, I'm on it. He packed up all his shit, I picked him up from his mom's house, and he was my roommate for his like first, couple weeks out there and he mm-hmm. figured it out and then after a while Chris and Dave start coming up and then Tommy stuck out so it was like oh they up there getting that real you know that real joke work in so now did you find that it was exactly the Narnia like hanging out on the steps of the cellar or outside on the it was absolutely what everybody said yeah it was it was nothing short of it it was no exaggeration as soon as I got there I just started seeing like I shit I remember Within two weeks of me moving there, I saw Patrice O'Neal live, and he gave me a ride home and gave me advice. Get the fuck out. The first two weeks of me moving to New York. So I was like, this the dude I saw do the half hour with the commemorative Rice Krispies and the fucking Pepsi Cola Rapist. This dude's a genius. I thought I'd never meet him. Then I meet him, then he gives me advice and ride home. So I was like, all right, I'm in the right spot. What did Patrice tell you? The greatest... Hands down, Sean, the greatest advice I've ever received from any comic in New York City. Better than I've shaken, I've shook the hand of Chappelle. That's like my Sinatra. So I feel like, yeah. But uh, uh, it was it was Patrice and Gary Goldman. I ain't gonna lie. Patrice said this. The advice that I got from Patrice when he gave me that ride home last night was so short and sweet and funny. Was so hilarious. I was like, uh, I was afraid because I knew he was a bully. So I was like, hey, Patrice, I was all like timid and meek i was like hey patrice um is there any advice you can give a like a young man trying to you know make it out in in new york and with good jokes and he looked at me and was like um he's like well i'm done <laughs> he's like i hate comedy i fucking hate it he's like i just can't stand stand up uh but uh this shit is for y'all like these little comics because at the time comics was open on 14th yeah, yeah. avenue he was like the little cypher sounds don't get gas comedy shows this is y'all shit this is what you're supposed to be doing so i guess write prolific shit uh get on stage and get the fuck out of my car like why are you in my car like why he was like why like why is this nigga still in my car and when i got out he's like i see you around the block young boy and he kind of flipped he, the u-turn and went up jfk it was the craziest and from then on i kind of understood what it was just right Get on stage and keep it moving. That and then Gary Goldman. Yeah. And then Gary Goldman kind of said the same shit. You know, Gary, Gary's, you know, he's been fighting depression his whole fucking life. So, you know, the way he, his his advice was very aggressive. He was at the old stand. I'll never mm-hmm. forget. And uh, I think he watched my set before I brought him up. And um, he comes up to me after and goes, uh, you're really funny, man. I was like, thanks, man. Just trying to be like you. He said, cut the shit. Write like a maniac, okay? All right. And then walked away. <laughs> I was like, he's like, cut the shit, write like a maniac. And walked away. And you know, Gary's like six, seven. So yeah. that, there's that big he's ass finger. Big ass finger was right and then left. Right? He, Did he, he shake his hair in your face? Uh uh-uh, uh. He just walked away. 
nose forward. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Goldman. Yeah, so therefore. How how long were you in New York before you got new faces? Uh, I was in New York if I moved on. Uh, I moved uh, to New York in the, was it in the 08 or in the 09? In the 09. Okay. In the 09. So, uh, oh, so like I got new faces years. at 2013. Yeah. So that took a while. Four years. Because it took me four times to get. So, yeah. Because I went 2013. So, yep. Yeah, it had to be four years. What did you think was going to happen when you went to Montreal? I- uh, everybody told me, don't believe the hype. It ain't as big as it used to be. Uh, nobody gets a deal like they did. But As soon as I got there. First six minutes in, I got a deal the next day. Like, <laughs> I got signed the next day. Like, it was like everything they said wouldn't happen, happened. Mm-hmm. Just, I went there, repped, got on stage in front of a bunch of French motherfuckers in the industry. Nobody laughed, but I didn't care. I just kept, I just kept drilling my six minutes, made them laugh a little, got a, fu- a couple chuckles. Uh-huh. Some cool platinum blonde white woman came up to me afterward. It's like I like your shtick. Well, you, uh, I went back into my files. Yeah. That first night, you actually got to headline your group. Mm-hmm. Technically, technically, you you went up last. Yep. So that's. I had a red hoodie on and some Kobe's. Rest in peace. And uh, yeah, man, she pulled up on me at the let out. Was like, uh, I like your shtick. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, my my manager uh, at the time, rest in peace as well. He um he was like, yeah, you got to meet tomorrow with uh, Jennifer Craig from Gersh. I was like, that's that white lady that was that came with me. She had all diamond shit, mm-hmm. diamond rings all over her fingers. Yeah, that's her, Jennifer. So we met uh, at some goofy restaurant in Canada, 19 forks and 44 cups and shit. I was surrounded by a cool looking, like one button off mm-hmm. white dudes, but they were still kind of dressed up with no tie. And they was like, you funny. And then I got signed. So your manager was David Kimowitz? Kimowitz, rest in peace. That was my yeah. man right there. That was my fucking man. And that's one of the reasons I'm kind of pushing for the album and everything coming out this year because it hit me when uh he was murdered. That really uh that yeah. rocked my soul. It rocked my soul. And then yeah, the family's nanny's ex boyfriend. Mm hmm. Yeah. And then in December, from August and into December, my my boy Chris Cotton, my boy Chris Cotton died. Yeah. So <laughs> my sink has a mind. So yeah, no. Nah, <laughs> so, about that. So I've been driving home these. Uh, that's not the ghost. That's not yeah. a ghost. Yeah. Well, maybe it is. So, God works in mysterious ways. It does, but yeah, no, um, that could be Chris trying to trying to heckle this goddamn uh, interview. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. no, nah. say my name. No, nah, so um, yeah, when how'd they passed, I pushed through it. I pushed through it. How'd you end up working with with David Kimowitz? Dave actually, he was managing somebody else. Then that person moved on, but Dave always thought I was funny, mm-hmm. so he kind of kept showing up at like the Village Lantern. Or these little underground spots that I was doing before there was an actual stand. So I was just out there just trying to find what the fuck I could find. And then when the stand opened up and I signed with them guys, it was like, what do you want? I just need, I need ample, I need loads and loads of stage time. And they was like, we got you. And then, uh, and then you know, and our friendship and relationship was born. Just me, just staying at the club, staying in their face about shit. Is that how you got introduced to Pete Davidson? Yeah. I got because they would that we were all kind of like in the mix, mm-hmm. and then you know everybody goes their separate ways. But in the beginning, they was they was they was they was watching over Pete too, and they thought if I moved in with Pete, I'd be a positive outlook on Pete. <laughs> How'd that <laughs> work out? Because I was the church going guy and uh-huh. all that, and Pete was the the, the 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 fiery eighteen nineteen year old, you know, a lot of spirit, but very funny. Right. I moved in there, man, and uh, P 
he wound up influencing me more. I mean, I started smoking weed. I got hand tattoos now. Like it's just that. But Pete was a Pete's a very he's a bright soul. That motherfucker. Mm-hmm. He he taught me a lot about just the game in the industry. Because uh, he might just be a kid to a lot of people, but the motherfucker, he know he sees how fame works, and he kind of knows how to to navigate around right. it. It's pretty wild. And so, so you and you got a front row seat to watching how to that watch works. him pop, and then now that he is he's bringing me along for the ride. It's pretty it's pretty crazy. So yeah, you're in the the film. that's yeah. about that's about him. It's about him. It's his, it's loosely based on his life. If he didn't do stand up, and he became a tattoo artist, so it's his eight mile. If yeah, you okay. want to. Yeah, it's Pete Davidson's Eight Mile. And I the get King to be of Staten with. Island. King of Staten Island. Who do you play in it? I play Zoots. I'm one of the uh, the restaurant busboys that he was uh, at his job that he used to work at, the mm-hmm. Italian restaurant. I'm the other the other busser. Okay. So me and him have like a funny back and forth. We have quite a few scenes of some funny shit. So we'll see. I was just about to ask if you were a funny I'm funny. I'm a funny. I'm a, I'm a, I was, I was or, comic or, relief or in Judd a comedy. Abitow asked you to be. No, play. play Abitow serious. told me. To, and shout out to Judd. He told me to play it up. He went and said, dude, try try variations. Mm. Be as funny as you can this way. Do something this way. And then try something this way. So I was like, oh shit, I get to improv too? So yeah, uh, it was uh, it was good. To be some kind of comic relief in a comedy is is really, you know, that's double comedy. So it's yeah. like you gotta really be funny and turn up. So it was a it was a challenge, but it was awesome. It was a great experience. Okay, so you got to you got to have Pete influence you while Pete got big. Mm-hmm. You you got repped right away out of out of Montreal. Yeah. Uh, how many pilot seasons did you go to before something popped for you? I uh, luckily, the first time I went to LA was with Pete, and I landed. That was 2014, mm-hmm. and I landed broke ass game show. That was my first big for attempt. MTV. Yeah, for yeah. MTV. So I've been kind of cooking ever since. I hate to, <laughs> I hate to say that, but I've been cooking since JFL to some degree. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I blew up, but every year I've landed something. I've always gotten something. And then when I started getting the Will and Graces and the, and the CBS shows and, and then the NBC stuff and then the, 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 the last like, But it all because because I got some on AOL first, mm-hmm. some called Connected, terrible show. And then, um, hell, hold the camera and film your own. Dumb. And then Broadcast Game Show came out. Mm-hmm. And then that's when it started picking up very, very, I guess, steadily in New York. What have you, from from watching your friends go through different experiences with show business, and then, as you say, like you've been getting something every once in a while, even if it's not you as the star, yeah. maybe. What have you learned about how how a successful career, what what that looks like? Um, Try to not, <laughs> don't fuck your fans. That's what I'm learning. Don't fuck your fans. Don't do that. As soon as you start making money, mm-hmm. be careful. Be careful as in who you hang with. Say what you're going to say. You're a comic. You know, don't button your lip, as Dave Chappelle told us. But um, don't let these bitch-ass niggas button your lip. That's that's a Chappelle quote. So I was like, all right. But just be, um, you know, don't try to go off the, the deep end. Don't, don't, uh, don't let, uh, the drugs can be a huge influence. Right. Fucking girls can be another influence. Drinking. I don't drink. I'm not a drinker, so. And I see all, I have a lot of friends that drink. So, you know, and drinking can lead you in different paths with this shit. So, you know, but uh, to maintain is to everybody I've seen that made it is the motherfuckers that stay writing. The people that stay writing jokes, stay in that book, stay thinking about a new script or a new show or a new podcast or something like that. Those are the guys and the girls that stay in the game. The ones that 
stay writing. I know the writers. I know I know the big comedy writers in the city. I'm like, oh, they write. They 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 in their books trying to, you know, trying to redirect their life mm-hmm. on stage with some of that genius shit that I'm hearing. So yeah. So the key to maintain is to write like a maniac, as Gary told me, and just you know. Take those distractions, man. You a comic. You a clown for a living. So it's up to you to be responsible. And a lot of people, like I know comics that wake up 8 in the morning, work out, try to be humans and push it up and drink coffee and write jokes for an hour or two. And then there's other comics wake up 12-1. 12-1-2, still be the, the, and still are the dopest because right. they just got their thing. They just know when to write. But it's just how you get on the mic, what you're saying, and it, you know just your dedication to the game. If I don't give a fuck what you do during the day, but be out at night, hang out, be on, be on the mic, be in the scene. So, because I know you know, there's plenty of comedians who feel like if they didn't book a sitcom or if they didn't get a Netflix special because everybody else got a Netflix special, then they're somehow not doing well. Absolutely. Does that? Do you care about that <clears> stuff? <throat> uh, you can't measure your level of success with. Something that's so saturated. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, everybody. My fu- my dead grandmother got a special on Netflix. So you know what the fuck? Everybody got a goddamn special on there. So I like to see. I'm I'm starting to see the. Um, I like the people that's taking the Andrew Schultz route or the mm-hmm. or the Mike Cannon route. The the, the Going YouTube, on YouTube for free or, yeah. or YouTube for free or or, or, or the building a cult like following off other shit off mm-hmm. your podcast off your clothing line comics got clothing lines now you said get the fuck out of here so you go well they've always had merch merch but like on a level of yeah. like motherfuckers making videos on mm-hmm. instagram and you know like andrew schultz with the fashion you'd be mm-hmm. like what the <laughs> so you go I, so that there is just the one that's one mountain to mm-hmm. climb but you know mountains are mountains because of mountain ranges so there's other ways to get up to the peak. So it's like, I like watching everybody. I like watching the comics ideas because you just start seeing how good marketers these motherfuckers are. Like you, you know, they more than funny. They these these dudes know how to. These dudes and girls know how to get around. I guess the the big animal mm-hmm. and have their own animal. So it's like okay. So uh, I don't think you should measure your talents with with just the the, the special and the album mm-hmm. and all that. Right, because you you mentioned that at the top. This Fuckboy Ground Zero is the, your first album. I've been doing comedy damn near 17 years, and it's my first album. Yeah. So it takes time. But here's the beauty of it. Like, it was, where's, the, where's the clock at? I figured I was going to do comedy my whole life, so mm-hmm. I'd have time to drop whatever. Like, if, as soon as I stop worrying about running this race with everybody else uh-huh. and working on the product that is me, you know, then you don't really, you know, this, I think, I listen to comedy albums. I do. And some are rushed. Some are very rushed. Yeah. So I go, okay. Some Netflix specials are rushed. Rushed. And y'all go, yeah. And then I've listened to albums I've tempted to make years before. Rushed. So, oh, fuck, how long does it take? I got a bit. And then when I heard this, mm-hmm. I said, oh, 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 you're in your pocket now. Mm-hmm. You're saying all the shit you want to say. You're not forcing shit. This is how you feel. This is what you're saying. And uh, I'm not afraid of the curse words no more and what people are going to think. Because people are going to think whatever the fuck they're going to think. But it's like, this is an hour of me just really going in. And I had a good time. Like, all right. It was like no pressure, and I knew cameras was on, and I knew mm-hmm. that I knew somebody was pressing record, but I wasn't like caught up in that. I was more so caught up in like, oh, this is a packed out crowd. Let's have a good time. Let's make this a little 
hippity dippity 60 minutes yeah at the end of the recording the only person you you actually really cared about was your mom still yeah <laughs> you go mom, like, I what her. am i gonna do to my mom <laughs> yeah when she hears this what yeah. I, have you figured out what you're gonna do for mom when she hears uh here's uh, the album no <laughs> but i'm gonna i'm gonna just buy her a lot of stuff gifts lots of big big bigger christmas this year because uh-huh. i know my mom goes to church and the church she go to I, I i went to when i was in jersey and when i go back i still go there and people are gonna hear some rank shit but uh it's honest that's why i don't think they should be mad at me because it's very honest it's what uh it's what i came up it was um just a it's just a compilation of uh just funny stories as a kid that i kind of that led me to what i am now mm-hmm. so it was just like oh okay so the Nana bid and the, and uh, uh, watching porn on cable and all that, all those jokes, it's just, it led up to... Yeah, because you couldn't watch it for free on the internet. <laughs> yeah, it was... Thank oh, you for man. Time. Two confirmation screens. That joke... <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> he had to go through two. <laughs> what sure? the... Are you sure? Are you yeah. 18? Uh, yeah, are so, you really 18? All that! I went through all of that! <laughs> Fuck boy Ground Zero. Um, and also, I guess, what, what would you say to the up and coming comics from Philly who might show up at the cellar or more likely find you at the stand? Hang out, write prolific shit, get on stage and get the fuck out of my face. Like, I can't help you. I'm 17 in now. I'm not going all the way back to to trudge your little three-year ass to show you the ropes. I don't show ropes. You got to find them bitches, all right? Because I had to find them myself. I had to find. Didn't nobody really show me the ropes when I was out here. Mm -hmm. First of all, when I first came out here, I dated a comic, and I was just that comic's boyfriend. That's all it was. Uh, I didn't have no name. I didn't have a name. That's just what's the name's boyfriend. That's all. I all. I had five years of Philly talent. Diminished. To, oh, that's just what's the name's boyfriend. Get the fuck out of here, New York. You ain't going to eat me up like that. I'll figure this shit out. Oh, I'll figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. And I found and figured it out. And uh, I made a name for myself. And then, uh, you know, being a janitor and, with, and trying to balance being a janitor and doing that New York lifestyle was tough. But uh, that's where the great boy came from was that because I was cleaning up cop shit mm. and mopping floors mad because the night before I was in uh, Newark, New Jersey or somewhere deep in Brooklyn getting on the mic, fucking around, making people laugh at little bars and little clubs and shit like that and then had to go clean up cop shit the next morning. I was like, I'm better than this. I'm great. I'm great, boy. Stick with it. You're great. <laughs> ah. Great boy. <clears throat> That's where it came from. Nice. So, yeah, so hang out, young comic. We'll be at the cellar. Come say hi. Sit down if you're cool. But if you come around trying to do bits on us, trying to work out your little material that you got for your next open mic and you want to talk your little shit in front of us, we're going to call you out. We're going to rip you to pieces and we're going to tell you to leave the fucking table. All right? This is what it was. I grew up in comedy so I could be able to do this because after I heard that story with mm-hmm. Colin Quinn and Patrice, they was in Montreal talking about big comedy shit. Some open mic comes up, hands Patrice a head shot and he rips it to fucking smithereens. I was like, yep, that's how it works. That's how it goes. <laughs> I'm so glad that uh, you're around for the kids. Yeah. You know, Comedy is for the is for the strong, all right. So bring your strong ass to New York. You're gonna get some strong hazing, all right? Because I got hazed. I'm still getting hazed. See what I'm saying? I got snapped on by a lot of motherfuckers to get where I'm at. So yeah, so it's fun. 
Well, congrats on uh, getting this far. Thank you, man. Got a little album coming out. Thanks for giving me the interview. Thanks so much. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Things first.